So, Alex Rini, come August, uh, Peter O'Neill will have been Prime Minister for three years in Papua New Guinea. How would you describe the state of the PNG government today? Well, um, it's, it's an interesting time for, for Papua New Guineans and the fact that uh, um, O'Neill um, has come into government um, at a very crucial period on the, at the back end of the uh, winding down of the uh, ExxonMobil and PNG LNG project. Um, I think he basically came in at a time when uh, Papua New Guinea was having this um, record economic growth. Um, a lot of positive gains, uh, windfall revenue. Um, so Port Mosby uh, was basically a manifestation of that, uh, of the economic growth that PNG was experiencing. There was a construction boom in Port Mosby. Um, but then, you know, when the LNG project uh, went down, um, thousands of Papua New Guineans had to be um, had to be laid off work uh, from the LNG project. His biggest challenge um, since since uh, Mr. O'Neill came into power was how was he able to uh, to contain to continue that momentum in terms of keeping Papua New Guineans um, employed and to to be able to harness the opportunities that came with you know having a windfall um, revenue uh, that's come down from the LNG project as well as the positive economic growth that uh, that his government is taking over. Um, it will be three years um, in August this year. Um, so I think the basically I think one of the key uh, achievements, if you want to put it that way, of his government is the fact that um, um, how um, O'Neill has basically um, put a big emphasis on, on rolling out projects to uh, rural Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. So he has increased, his government has increased funding to uh, to politicians under the uh, District Services Improvement Program, the PS, uh, DSIP, and the uh, Provincial Services Improvement Program, the PSIP. So basically these this, uh, platforms that politicians are actually using now to actually roll out services. And is that being, is that those funds being used properly? Um, it, are there real improvements in health and education and infrastructure? Yes, um, we get we get in reports from uh, from uh, Papua New Guineans. Um, the media in in Papua New Guinea gets to be um, invited to a lot of this uh, uh, commissioning of the, of these projects, a building of um, schools, of health centres, um, and um, that's 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 happening on an on an ongoing basis. Though though the uh, the government continues to come under criticism. Um, for holding back the SIPs um, um, from certain politicians because of the uh, of their standing in parliament, whether they are in the opposition or whether they they are in government, but at the end of the day, um, a lot of the politicians are getting the funding. Um, um, a lot of the money is rolling into the districts. Though I think the the, the worry uh, for civil society is whether is whether you know the uh, the funding is actually going to areas that can really make a difference in terms of the lives of Papua New Guineans. Right. Um, Recently, Peter O'Neill came to Australia for Malcolm Fraser's funeral, and there was an article in the Australian at the time that described Peter O'Neill as PNG's champion of progress. You think that's a fair description? Yeah. Well, um, you see, the the challenges that Papua New Guinea uh, continues to face as a nation uh, is mind-boggling. You know, there's 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 health challenges, there's educational challenges. Um, there's, there's a lot of challenges in terms of trying to tackle uh, poverty, um, not only in, uh, in urban Papua New Guinea, where you can really get to see evidence of it, 
Uh, but also uh, poverty seems to be getting, uh, is, is also beginning to, uh, to show in, in rural Papua New Guinea as well. And his, and his government, and because of the, uh, the, the, uh, the windfall revenue and the positive economic growth that his government has, um, has taken on after it came into power in 2012, uh, there's a lot of expectations on him and his government to actually um, deliver uh, on trying to improve basic services in rural Papua New Guinea, because rural Papua New Guinea is where 85% of Papua New Guinea stay. Mm. So how do you get to translate all those beautiful-looking figures? Uh, of positive economic growth, windfall revenue, how do you translate that into functioning um, health centers, into ensuring that those health centers have drugs in them, um, ensuring doctors and nurses get to work in rural Papua New Guinea and not just stay in the cities and towns. So uh, that's the challenge that he has. And it's already three years now. Um, government continues to roll out services. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, its policy on health is, is big. Um, They've, they've expanded over one billion kina um, in the last budget on, on health sector alone, but there continues to be holes. You know, there's a lot of teething uh, problems at the moment with with the health policy. Um, there's a lot of hospitals that um, still don't have uh, enough doctors and nurses. So how do you get to fill all these teething teething uh, problems that the government is current, currently facing? So at the end of the day, it sometimes falls back on the bureaucrats and the head of the respective departments on and how they actually implement government policy mm -hmm. in those areas. So the other, I guess, black mark against uh, O'Neill, perhaps, is his attitude on uh, basic freedoms and rights. So speaking as a, as a newspaper editor in PNG, uh, what is um, the O'Neill government's attitude to free speech and what's it like to be a journalist in PNG today? Well, I can tell you that uh, free speech is, is alive and well in Papua New Guinea. Uh, we continue to go through uh, our challenges as a media organization and as, as an industry that's, you know, that has the mandate to, that has been charged with the mandate to inform and educate Papua New Guineans. Um, we continue to, to have challenges in terms of our relationship with, with the government and with individuals in government. Uh, there, there will always be issues in terms of the, uh, the stories that we continue to broadcast about the challenges of development that, uh, that are faced in various provinces, uh, not just in Port Mosby, but outside of Port Mosby as well. So the relationship between the government and, and the media will always be an evolving one. Um, but um, what, what we try to emphasize and what I've tried to emphasize in my new role as the president of the media council is, is the fact that, you know, um, the media and the government uh, should work as partners. I mean, because at the end of the day, we are all trying to to ensure the well-being and prosperity of Papua New Guineans. We shouldn't be attacking each other, we should be working together. And if there are instances when, you know, the media is, is critical of how government has performed, then maybe there's an opportunity for government to say, to admit that, okay, we haven't got the formula right, mm -hmm. we need to get this right, get back on track to be able to uh, to work to, to achieve those goals. And the media is in a position to do that. We can be able to highlight uh, those Know, black areas, black spots to government. So that's how we think we can be able to contribute to the overall development of Papua New Guineans. Mm. Thanks for your time, Alex. Cheers, mate.